Welcome to episode 12 of the Healthy Nomics podcast with special guest and running coach Matt Johnson. Hey everybody, I am your host Mark Kennedy. Welcome back. I apologize for the lack of podcasts lately. As much as I'd love to get a new episode to you every week, I just don't seem to have the time right now. Life seems to take over, but uh, wait. Perhaps I have the time and I'm working on something else. Uh, Shameless plug here. Sorry folks. Uh, Yes, as I mentioned on the show a few weeks back, I'm putting the finishing touches on my iPhone app for runners. The app will let you track your runs, uh, sort of like a run keeper or night plus. But the differentiator is that my app will help runners, and in particular, half marathoners and marathoners, fuel properly to ensure they finish the races strong and don't hit the dreaded wall. If you want to find out more about the app, head over to fuelmyrunapp.com. I hope to release it in the next couple of weeks, and today is November the 15th, so uh, a little bit of math for you there. Anyway, today I'm super stoked to provide you with my chat with Matt Johnson. Whether you're a new or experienced runner, I think you'll get a lot out of this talk. We talk about training myths, common running mistakes, running form, and why it matters, and how to choose right running shoes, and a whole lot more. To find out more about Matt, head over to runneracademy.com and be sure to also check out his amazing podcast for runners. He gives amazing advice and has some of the who's who in the running scene as guests on his podcast. Definitely check that out. Okay, let's get into it. Hey everybody, I'm very excited today uh, to introduce you to my guest, Matt Johnson. Uh, Matt, welcome. It's great to be here, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to have you, and I'm excited to, to talk about some running here tonight. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> so let's uh, start off and give the listeners a, a bit of a background on you, you know, who you are, where you grew up, uh, where you live now, and, uh, and your running background, and, and what you're up to these days. Sure. So I'm uh, originally from the uh, Chicago area, grew outside uh, about 15 minutes from downtown in a great little suburb called uh, LaGrange. It's in the uh, West Suburban High School Conference, which is home to the famous York High School, and uh, Coach Joe Newton out there with the uh, York Dukes, who have uh, 29 state titles in Illinois and going for their 30th wow. this uh, coming weekend here in November. And uh, so that's uh, that's sort of the uh, environment of, of cross-country and things we had where I, I grew up. Uh, but I uh, you know went to uh, high school there, went to uh, college at University of Illinois down in uh, Champaign-Urbana. And, uh, very so, the, uh, so the Illini? The Illini. So very proud of uh, Tatiana McFadden, who... Uh, recently just completed that Grand Slam in the uh, Paralympic category in uh, New York City Marathon and, and won the uh, marathon uh, in Boston and in Chicago um, and uh, in London as well and won all, all, all four of those. So very proud of That's her amazing. and everything that she's uh, just accomplished. And uh, so, yep, so went to school down there and, uh, you know, got out of uh, got out of college. I had a lot of um, experience working in uh, radio. I started out actually uh, in that field, and then ended up uh, leaving school. A marketing degree, worked um, some jobs. Were you a, were, were yeah. you a DJ? Sorry to interrupt. No, you actually, actually, I I was a DJ, but but not at a uh, not at a regular radio station. So, uh, funny story. You know, my high school had a radio station. My high school, you know, very um, very blessed to have gone to a, a very uh, you know good high school, and and uh, had a lot of opportunity. But um, it, it wasn't quite enough for me. So they, they had, you know, a lot of politics and things. And, I, and I'm not about that. I, I like to just, you know, go do my thing. And and uh, I wasn't able to get on the air, uh, you know, as a freshman. And, and I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't satisfied with that. I didn't want to work my way up. So I started my own pirate radio station, actually, and, <laughs> and ran it 24 hours uh, out of my parents' basement. 
and uh, in, in the Chicago suburbs, and it, and it was quite powerful. It, uh, it it got a lot of listeners, and after two years, it was big enough that it got attraction of the FCC, which is uh, the Federal Communications Commission here in the United States, and uh, they, they came out and paid me a visit, and uh, they weren't too happy about it, but uh, I did my homework and, and didn't break any <laughs> laws, but uh, but I had that experience and uh, and really did well with that, and then went into college studying it, and then ultimately... You know, my my interest, you know, was still there, but decided to really shift into, you know, something that would be a little bit more uh, employable upon graduation as, you know, radio without going into that uh, too much and getting off topic is uh, you know, a lot of consolidation and, and a lot of uh, insecurities uh, in terms of job prospects. And I didn't really mm-hmm. like the idea of, of being told what to play and what to read all the time. So I decided, you know what, I enjoy doing it, but, you know, the corporate uh, corporate radio gig wasn't for me. Um, so I yeah. decided to uh, pursue more of the uh, of the business side of that, um, and then uh, you know sort of all along I was a uh, as a runner and cyclist. I enjoy both activities um, to pretty much the same extent. Uh, that's one thing. As much as I love running, I also love cycling. Um, big road biker and do a lot of uh, century rides and other things in addition to running as uh, as a great form of cross training and just for enjoyment. Um, but I've been running for about 15 years. Uh, ran. Uh, periodically through a high school and college, I actually, one of my regrets sort of looking back was not, you know, really sticking with it consistently in high school and college and, and mm-hmm. taking it serious. I really got more into, you know, doing radio and doing some other things. And, you know, I had some friends and, you know, we, we kind of went and screwed off a little bit. So that was, that was sort of, you know, my high school experience, but I always really stuck with, you know, the individual sports. So I'm a guy who's six, four, I'm about 155 pounds. That hasn't changed since I was about 15 <laughs> and no matter what I do, trying to, you know, gain weight or lose weight, I, I can't, well, I don't want to lose weight, but I can't gain weight either. So I was, yeah. too, I'm too uncoordinated for basketball. That's the first thing everybody says. You play basketball. Too skinny for and football. What about volleyball? Yeah, volleyball, you know, I, I can spike. I got some, uh, I got some air. I can, I can spike it. You, get, you got some ups? Yeah, there? I've got <laughs> some ups. I've, uh, I, I played in a lot of leagues uh, in Chicago on the lakefront, uh, sand beach volleyball. And uh, we've, uh, we've done pretty good. Granted, it's the recreational leagues, but uh but, you know, my height plays an advantage there. So, you know, really uncoordinated, not really, you know, into the team sports then. You know, you throw the basketball at me, it'll hit me in the face. So that's really what drove me to uh, to running and uh, cycling and more of those individual sports. And I really competed at a pretty, you know, individual level. I was doing a lot of 5 and 10Ks on my own pretty much every weekend in college, uh, doing 5 and 10Ks. I signed up for pretty much every single one I could. And, you know, back in those days, uh, it's over over 10 years, 15 years almost now. You know, races were, were cheap and plentiful and everywhere. They're still plentiful, but cheap, unfortunately, they're not. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I would go out and do those. And, and um, you know, I, I trained. You know, I didn't really have a, a formal, uh, you know, training, you know, structure. Uh, but I but I went out and did it and, you know, had some had some uh, some good talent and some success. But I really just, you know, kept it with something I really enjoyed. And what I've really always enjoyed, and even still today, more than just racing, is really the training and the you know, sort of process the experience, the journey, and just, you know, getting out there day in, day out. The training is really, you know, a lot of people see training as a means to an end. I really see training as a, as a gift and just the experience of doing it, um, you know, every day is, is, uh, is, is really what it's all about. And as I, you know, continued through, uh, through college, I ended up uh, starting to expand my distances and get into half and full marathons. And that's pretty much what I do now is half and full marathons. And uh, actually doing uh, some thought on going back to some of those shorter distances because those shorter distances, you know, a lot of people think, okay, you know, say a 5k isn't, uh, can't be as hard as the marathon, but if you really go out and try to race the 5k, uh, that's, uh, that's almost in, in, in my opinion can be just as challenging, if not more challenging than, than running a full marathon. If you're going out and, 
and running that at uh, at your best ability. So that's definitely um, that's definitely a, a, a big challenge. So generally, you know, in, enjoy doing all these things. And I mentioned cycling, uh, really big on that, and, and doing uh, distance events on uh, on the bike as well. So uh, so now you've got this uh, successful you know website and, and podcast going. So tell us a bit about how you got into to that and um, and what it's called. Sure. So I uh, launched Runner Academy about a year and a half ago. And it sort of stemmed out of, you know, my, my love for running. So as I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of running for the last, uh, you know, 15 years, uh, very consistently. And as part of that, you know, you, you start you start learning some things. I, I read pretty much every single book I can get my hands on. I've studied the greats. I've studied you know, Lydiard and, and Daniels and, and we'll name all the authors and great coaches. But I really studied sort of all their techniques and, and strategies uh, over the years and, and, and experimented and, and played with things, made mistakes, got injured, you know, went through all those things that, a lot of people um, do when they when they train on their own, I, and we didn't have really the uh, the gift of the internet <clears throat> to even be able to do a lot of this research. So a lot of it was you know talking to other runners, talking to uh, coaches, getting recommendations on things to read and, and things to study, and I really put that to work for myself. And then I began you know just sort of helping others that were interested. You know they heard you know before really we got into this full and, and half marathon boom. People would say, "Oh, you're running, you're running a half, or you're running a full marathon." Like, how far is that? Or that's great. Or I've always thought about doing that. So I just started, you know, first it started, you know, giving some resources to people. But like anything else, you give them a book or you tell them to do something, you know, check it out. They, you know, if, if they're not motivated enough, they're they're not going to do it. Or even if they do read it, they they may, you know, might be pretty overwhelming. So I started started helping some people, and sort of at the same time, my wife was uh, very involved with um, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society with their team and training. Uh, program and she began uh, first as a mentor, uh, mentoring uh, uh, runners and helping them with their fundraising, and then as a marathoner herself, got into helping coach and uh, coaching runners. And uh, as I sort of uh, was with her at that experience, I found it very rewarding to really be helping people get out there and achieve their running goals. And I just sort of from there, I began working with more and more runners. Started working sp- specifically with people that were newer to uh, distance running or had that bucket list. And sort of my approach was to really share the joy of running with other people and to make running something that is more of a lifetime activity and sport rather than, you know, that one-time thing. So a lot of people come to it wanting to run, you know, their first 5K or a half marathon or, or a marathon or whatever it might be. But then afterwards, if, if they're, you know, they achieve that goal and, and, you know, they can drop out of the sport. So that was one of the things that I, I sort of saw I, that happening. And I, I, and I didn't like that because there's so much, you know, joy that it could bring and, and positive change in all areas of your life. So I began, mm-hmm. you know, really sort of starting to, to speak that and instill that in people and, and work with work with runners. And then sort of an outshoot of that as I started working with some runners individually. And as I, you know, sort of, you know, a couple of years ago, I was starting to think, you know, this is great. You know, I, I the most rewarding thing is when somebody, you know, genuinely is telling you how much of a difference you made in their life. It, it's so rewarding. And I, I really felt that, you know, I have this this gift of, of communicating, this gift of really encouraging people, this gift of being a real positive influence and, and helping people, you know, achieve achieve things they didn't think were possible. But I could only do so much working one on one with a few smaller, you know, smaller uh, groups. So I thought, how could I really leverage it? How could I have a bigger impact? And that was sort of the thought behind Runner Academy. So I'd been thinking for a while and starting to, you know, do a blog or share my journey or my experiences. And, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, why, why would anyone really necessarily care about that? But if I put something out there 
that was different and unique and really tried to educate and inspire people the same way that I was doing uh, individually with, with some of the runners in uh, Chicago, that might, that might resonate. And I started thinking mm-hmm. about ways to do that. And I started blogging. I started sharing some, some training advice and tips and things that, you know, a lot of, a lot of mistakes that, that people made. And, and uh, I, I, I always knew in the back of my mind, you know, for a long time, I wanted to get back into something with, with radio and with broadcasting. And, you know, a podcast just sort of became a natural extension of that. But I wasn't really sure how I would tie that into running. And then uh, when I was out on a run in, uh, in 2012, you know, all my best ideas come to me when I'm running. I'm like, yeah, that's the way. I'm like, you know what? Why not do a podcast where we teach people, you know, some of the some of the you know, not only things they could apply in their training, but let's go out and find some of the people that are authors that are the you know top of the game, elite athletes, you name it. Let's let's bring great minds and even people that are accomplishing things they didn't think possible and share that with other people. And let's see what happens. So the, the name Runner Academy actually just sort of came to me one night. Uh, actually, again, when I was running, I was struggling. I had a lot of different names. I had training for the marathon. I, I had all these things, but I, I didn't want to just limit it to marathon because, you know, running is, is, is more than just a marathon. There's, there's so many distances and, uh, that, that you can pursue, and, and there's cross country, and there's track, and there's alters. There's so many, so many different angles. So why limit it to just that? So I was just throwing around ideas and just runner Academy just came to my mind. And I, I remember actually stopping in the middle of a, of a 10 mile long run and just going on to, uh, you know, Google it. I'm like, Oh, somebody definitely has that. And, mm-hmm. uh, the domain was available and I, I couldn't register it fast enough as, as if other people would, would be thinking about that same idea at the same time and registering it. <laughs> but I registered, got home and got right to work on it. And, uh, you know, when it first started, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of, you know, who was going to listen to it, how is it going to be discovered. I just started uh, publishing uh, podcasts and just started putting information out there. And within just a few short months, started seeing some uptake, started seeing the audience begin to grow. Um, I got one of my first big breaks in terms of bringing bigger names onto the sport, uh, onto the podcast um, with Dean Carnazes. Uh, I had a I had a meeting with him in uh, Chicago. I happened to meet him and said I had a podcast. How would you like to come on and, and be a guest? And I thought, you know, he might say, you know, yeah, but, you know, let me know. It'd be a good idea sometime. He's like, here's my personal email address. It's like, let's set something up next week. I was That's just great. sort of, I was just sort of taken back. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And uh, sort of from there, I had uh, an opportunity. Lynn Jennings came to town. I met her at a running store. And uh, I actually then uh, interviewed a, a race director uh, down at uh, University of Illinois, they do the Illinois Marathon, and I wanted to share with people the perspective of a race director. So at the time, you know, there was um, there was some challenges going on with uh, with New York, and I thought, you know, it'd be really great to really share what goes on behind the scenes. But of course, I'm not going to get Mary Wittenberg to talk about what's going on at the time. So I'm like, you know what? That there's a great race down at my my university. Let's give some exposure to them and and get them to chat. And that ended up leading to a great not only a great interview, a great conversation, uh, but it led me to be able to bring on Catherine Switzer. And through that, I've really built, uh, built up a um, just sort of good um, repertoire with, with everyone that I've interviewed. And, you know, a lot of times it really comes down to, you know, just, just asking, you know, a lot of people in running, they're just so genuine. They're so friendly. They're so helpful. They're willing to share information. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, well, even myself, you know, I asked you to come on and I think, um, you know, cause I, I've been listening to your podcast and, and love it. And, you know, like 
it's gotten me through quite a few runs and I've learned a lot. But, um, you know, as you say, people are genuinely really nice and accommodating. And if you ask them, um, most are more than welcome to, to help out and uh, give their advice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just really, you know, it's really just grown from there. Uh, and, and the listener support, it's just really grown. Um, I'm, I'm really just sort of blown away that in, you know, the last not even, you know, 14, 15 months, we've gone from launching it to sharing, you know, some of the biggest names in the sport. But, but really what's, what's bigger than that to me is, you know, I've gone out and I've met some of the listeners. I get emails on a regular basis, people writing in just the impact it's having, how it's getting them through, like you just said, their runs and, and really encouraging, inspiring people to do things. I had people come up to me uh, at the Chicago Marathon Race Expo this year and give me a hug and, and told me I was the reason that they were running. And, and, as, and, as, and as much as I like to, you know, you know, feel like, you know, that's the case, I, I still can't accept that sometimes. It's, you know, you went out and you did the training, you did it. But, you know, the, just the impact that you have, you know, through this, uh, that I have through this is just really so rewarding. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's surpassed my, my wildest expectations and in what uh, would go. But, you know, one of the big things I've been trying to do with it um, is get uh, is get a really good structured training plan going with it, mm-hmm. with uh, with the membership program that I talked about. Um, and I've I've been working on it really diligently behind the scenes. It's taken way longer than I ever expected uh, to put out, partially because I'm a perfectionist, but also partially <laughs> uh, because, you know, the podcast has has consumed so much of my uh, time and effort and the preparation going into it. Um, but I'm, I'm getting to a point where that's uh, that's just about um, just about done uh, in terms so of this off. your is this your full time gig now? Is this what you're you do full time? Not quite yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I have a uh, I have a great uh, a great job that I do enjoy. Uh, I work actually in uh, in the software industry. I'm in charge of marketing um, for uh, for a software product. And I really enjoy that. It's uh, it's actually in the uh, <clears throat> video creation space. And uh, oh, perfect. so, so <laughs> I, I, I know all the great tricks of the trade to, to make great video. And it's a really nice compliment. And uh it's a great company. I really enjoy all the people I, I work with there. Um, so this is really, I really started up, you know, secondary to that. It, it's growing. And, you know, at some point, you know, could this, you know, become something I do full time? I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly possible um, if, if it continues on the trajectory it is. Um, you know, I, I'd have, I'd have a tough decision to make at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good thing. And congratulations on all the uh, success and impact you've had to date. Thank you. Um, I just want to go back. Um, you, you said something that really resonated with me, and that was the the aspect of you know you're training for a particular race, but it's not actually the race um, that was sort of the most meaningful thing um, for me. That really resonated because you know I did my second marathon back in May, and I completed completed the marathon. I, I beat my my personal best by uh, just over 40 minutes, and I was extremely happy with that. But you know, my wife and other friends and family asked me, you know, you know, how to feel, does it feel amazing to, you know, get your time during the race? And I said, to be honest, I'm more proud about the training and, and all the miles and well, kilometers we call them up here, but yeah, right. I, I, <laughs> the miles, the, the miles the I put in I'm thinking, okay, what's the conversion? <laughs> I should yeah, know exactly. it. I do it all the time, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it was the training it, and getting through the training and being diligent and getting out there on those days, you didn't want to do it. That's, that's the thing that keeps me going. And, and that was the hardest part, but the most rewarding, and that's what makes me want to do another one. It's not, you know, the race is just sort of the icing on the cake, but it's the training that's sort of the, the real thing that, that gets you going. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, the race, as I like to tell people, it's your victory lap. I mean, so many people, you know, put the race up on this pedestal as if it's some, you know, 
big task or challenge that that's you know how you get out to do it but the, the truth is you're ready for it because you put in all the work this is your time to go out and enjoy the rewards of all that work enjoy the crowd enjoy the experience and and really uh you know go out and give your best effort uh, that you can do and and that's really you know that's really what race day is all about it's 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 not you know it's not anything uh it, that, you, that you're not prepared for and I, I think a lot of you know People tend to maybe sometimes, you know, put it in this different category, but you, you, you've done the training, you're ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, Matt, uh, I just want to switch gears here and let's uh, let's actually talk about running now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing I want to talk about is uh, running form. Um, yeah. There's, you know, there's been lots talked about about running form and the whole sort of minimalism craze and, um, you know, running, you know, planting midfoot, forefoot, all that stuff. Um, so I want to get your thoughts, you know, does, does running form matter or does it not matter that much? Um, you know, what do you, what do you tell your athletes? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say running form is, does matter. And in fact, it's probably so many people think, you know, running is simply going out in one foot in front of the other. And, and to a certain extent, yeah, that's true. But, you know, running form itself can do so much for your running first it makes you most efficient you can be. So when you go out and you're running, you don't want to, you know, work harder than you have to for for a given result. You know, maybe maybe some people really want to, you know, burn a lot more energy than they have to, but you want to be efficient and you want to really put everything um, to your advantage. Um, an- another big thing um, in terms of being able to run long distances, if you don't have good form, uh, you can you can get fatigued early. Um, if you're not having good form, you can be a lot more susceptible to common running injuries. Um, you're not going to be able to run as fast as you're capable of. So running form is very, very important. And, you know, one of the, you know, there's, there's sort of four um, components that I think are really key. Um, the, the first really is posture. Um, so you really want to make sure you have, um, you know, good posture. You, you want to be very upright with your head, you know, really level on your shoulders and, and, and looking straight ahead. And uh, having your knees sort of slightly bent, um, you know, not really locked. And the next sort of, you know, component that, it's, that I think is really important is that you have a little bit of a forward lean. And this is one that, you know, people talk about, you know, leaning is, is something that, that uh, you know, a lot of different styles and running forms, schools of thought teach. But a lot of them actually, you know, get, get one point of it that's you know, a little bit technically wrong, uh, even in some very... Um, you know, scientific um, publications right on it. it. It's and that's the gravity pulling you forward, and that's actually not what um, what happens. So when when you have a slight forward lean, uh, you're able to um, basically fall right into a stride. Um, but a lot of people think, well, then you have if you're leaning, gravity helps pull you forward. But gravity is a, is a downward you know force on you. It's it's not a forward pulling force. So mm-hmm. the the sort of thought that gravity you know helps you. Uh, you know, run is, is, is not true. So that's sort of one thing I want to dispel that, that's out there a lot and, and you might read. Um, the reason for the lean is, is really, you know, sort of altering your, your, um, your center of mass a little bit and, and, and being able to fall into that stride um, very efficiently more than, than, than it is anything to do with gravity. And when you say lean, I mean, I, I think I've made this mistake um, sort of in my earlier running days, but some people, you know, when they hear the word lean, they're just thinking, you know, lean at the waist, no. but I don't think that's what you're talking about. No, uh, you don't want to lean at the waist. If you lean at the waist, uh, you're, you're really essentially just sort of being hunched over. You want to be uh, leaning down at the ankles, um, not the waist. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and, and when you do that, you want to be looking straight ahead. So you don't want to be looking down at the ground or, you know, you're going to go down at the ground. Uh, so, but yeah, leaning, leaning from the ankles and it can be a bit awkward at first. I mean, it, it's, it's not a natural thing when you, if, if you're not, you haven't been doing it to, to lean from the ankles. It takes a little bit of conscious effort, um, at first, but once you practice it and get good at that, it's sort of second nature. You can't imagine doing it any other way. So you are correct. Um, you, you want to, you want to have your, your, your body to be in a, in complete alignment. Um, and that, that, that leaning points down at your, your ankles. So you, you made a point on the, uh, the minimalist shoes and, you know, midfoot strike versus heel striking. And, you know, where, where does all that sort of lie? So I really do preach the midfoot strike. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty predominant school of thought. Not a lot of people are going to challenge that. There are people who, uh, do do and coaches and others that that write that the the foot strike doesn't matter um, as much as being having your body and your foot uh, your foot directly under your center of mass. So that that's actually what what we're going for is having your foot under your your center of mass. So again, being in in alignment. Um, but why we really talk about midfoot is you start talking about center of mass and other concepts. It gets it gets a little uh, challenging, and especially when you're trying to learn proper running form. You know, really putting your um, your foot and landing mid midfoot is really generally aligns you <clears throat> under your center of mass. So that's that's a really good way to to start. And if you really take a look at how um, how some of the best runners in the world are running, they're they're on that midfoot or they're on that forefoot a little bit. Um, but generally, unless they're in a full out sprint coming in the finish, there's there's times you might be heel striking, but you want to have that leg underneath you. And if you reach out in front of you, that's where you generally heel strike. So when you say we say heel striking is wrong and it's bad, heel striking per se has some problems. It can it could possibly lead to some injuries and puts a lot of uh, a lot of shock is then absorbed and goes up the body and, and there's some issues with that. But the heel strike itself is not as big of a problem as as it is uh, that you're not under your center of mass and you're you're being very inefficient with your landing and very inefficient with your form. Um, at the same time is increasing your risk of injury a little bit. So, you know, whether you're, you're right on that forefoot or you're on the midfoot or the heel, you know, midfoot is, is generally going to allow you to absorb the most shock. It's going to be the best position. It's be the most comfortable to go long distances. Uh, but most importantly, you're under your center of mass. So that's why we really talk about striking the ground um, with your midfoot. Mm-hmm. And what's uh, helped for me too is just to make sure and focus. Like I think when you get into problems landing on that sort of heel strike is um, correct me if I'm wrong, but people overstriding. I mean, if you overstride, of course you're gonna you're gonna smack that heel down and it's gonna act like a break. Um, yes. So for me, I notice if I sort of keep my my strides a bit shorter, um, I'm I'm more apt to sort of get that midfoot uh, plant. That's a very good point there. Um, when you're when you're overstriding, you're applying a break, and that is true. So, you think about an analogy I like to give, and you know this. this some people may not get this if they're a lot younger, but you remember rollerblades? Absolutely, I still got a pair. Uh, how, how do you break with the rollerblades? <laughs> yeah, you go back on the old heel. That's right. Same same idea. So if you you hit the, if you hit the ground with your heel, you're basically applying a break. It's a jerky movement. You're you're losing that momentum, and then you're rolling through. So it's just it's just inefficient. Uh, landing midfoot. You want to think about just sort of, you know, hitting the ground. I don't know if you could hear that on the microphone, but just sort of just, yep. you know, tapping off the ground and going. You don't want to have a full, you want to, you basically, if you, if you think about it this way, the more time and the more contact you have with the ground, the more friction you have, that's, that's wasting energy. You want to literally just sort of tap the ground and, and be on your way 
and, and get airborne again. You don't want to be spending too much time on the ground because that leads to um, another another sort of uh, challenge, and that's you know your your turnover, your cadence, which is really sort of the last you know piece to to running with right form. And that that's you know the, the whole idea of the more you're turning over, um, the, the not you're able to go, uh, you're able to basically run a uh, you know the pace that you're capable of. Um, but it's also promoting um, proper landing. Uh, it's also promoting being under your center of mass, like we've talked about. It's preventing that overstriding. It's preventing that braking motion. Uh, simply because if you're needing, to, so the the cadence you want to be doing is 180 steps per minute. So that's 90 on every foot. Now, not every runner can get there. Um, a lot of recreational runners that are about 150 to 160 steps per minute. And when I say they can't all get there, they they can get there, but not not necessarily right away. What you want to do is, you know, baby be in that 170, you know, plus range is, is a good place to be. 180 is a sort of average number. Some people do up to 190. You know, more is, more is, more is okay with experience. But the more you're able to turn over, the, the less likely you're going to be heel striking, not landing under your center of mass and, and keeping um, good posture and alignment. So that's, that's really, um, you know, a key thing for that. So if you're, if you're, if you think about it, if you're turning your legs over more and you're turning them over faster, there's less of an opportunity for you to overstride, for you to get that leg out in front of you and, and, and be heel striking because your body simply just doesn't have the time to put the leg out in front of you, roll through the whole motion and kick back and, and do it again. It just can't do it. So the faster turnover, the faster cadence really helps promote good form. Actually, it really brings it all together. Uh, and yeah, and, and- yeah. Oh, sorry. How do you coach your athletes then uh, with regards to cadence? Do you use um, any tools, a metronome, an app, or do you simply get the, the, the runners to, to count their steps in a minute, or how do you do it? Yep, so definitely uh, a metronome is, is the most effective way. Um, so I, I have a, a metronome that I either, I either bring out or um, I have one on, uh, on our podcast app that, that's free uh, that's at 180 steps per minute. And you just listen to it on a loop. And eventually, because it's, you know, a continuous, repetitious uh, chirp, it, it gets in your head. And then you are mm-hmm. able to um, pretty much just sort of keep that in your head. You don't have to listen to it forever and ever and ever. Uh, but it's a good thing to listen to it when you first sort of start out in your run. And then, you know, maybe if you're out for a long run and you're out for a while, you know, pull it up again and just sort of check where you're at. Um, but that's, that's sort of how I, I, I coach that um, is really just trying to align with it. Um, there are some uh, runners that like to use uh, apps that categorize their their music uh, to beats per minute and, and get them around 170, 190 beats per minute. That's it's another option if you listen to music. Um, but you know, generally, the metronome is the best way um, in, in terms of of training that. Uh, but really, you know, if if you have a uh, if you have a Garmin with a foot pod, that's another great way to sort of measure uh, where you're at because the foot pod will actually give you your uh, steps per minute. And, you know, mm-hmm. really the way I coach it is we don't want to try to go for 180, you know, out of the gate. If you're doing 150 steps per minute, you know, maybe take a week or two weeks and get yourself up to 155 or 160. Really, you know, make incremental change until that becomes comfortable. And then once that's comfortable, then maybe do another, you know, five or, or 10 steps per minute and get yourself up to that 170 and, and get that comfortable. What you want to do is really try to get comfortable with, you know, a you know, that, that cadence and get comfortable with, you know, the various aspects of, of your running form, uh, over time. And then it just sort of becomes natural and you can't really imagine 
going another way. Um, one thing that I really like to do to help um, illustrate the point is to show people what the running form is. So there's actually a, a great app out there called Coach's Eye. Um, I don't uh, have any affiliation with it at Runner Academy, um, but it, it's basically an app. It's, uh, I believe, $5. It's on Android and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and iOS. And you're able to actually record um, your running form, or you could have a friend record it, and you could actually watch your stride. And, oh, cool. and we can, you can watch it real time, go frame by frame, and actually see what you're doing. A lot of people think you know, they're not heel striking or they've got good form, and then you, you roll a video on your phone of somebody's running and you show it to them, and you can immediately see what the problem is. So that's a really, uh, that's a really great thing that ever, anybody could do, um, whether they're coached or not, is to record your running form with your phone and review it and see what you're actually doing. Um, so that's, that's definitely uh, you know, something I, I use um, and show. And then you can you know, do videos over time and watch how you're progressing and compare and contrast those uh, as you go along. So that's really helpful in your landings, very helpful in your leaning, your posture, um, all those things. Um, that's, that's very helpful for, uh, to, um, to use. Yeah. I'll have to check out that app because, um, you know, you, you have a feeling or an idea of how you're running, but until you actually see yourself, you don't get that, um, you know, that feedback and real self-awareness uh, of your, of your running. So I'm definitely gonna have to try that and I'll, I'm sure I'll be a bit surprised <laughs> what yeah. I see in, in a bad way. Yeah. And, and if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't use, use an app or anything, you can, you could even just start right now. Look at your running shoes. Hopefully, uh, everyone listening that runs has a dedicated pair or two of shoes that they only use for running and nothing else. And you can look at your wear patterns, see where the wear pattern patterns are in your shoes. Are they worn out at the midfoot and your heel looks brand new? Uh, that's a good sign that you're that you're probably landing right where you should be. Um, your cadence, you know, is something that isn't going to be given away by that. But if your heel's striking or you're you're up on your toes, uh, that's going to be pretty apparent through your running shoes. So uh, that's another good thing to take a look at. And you're also able to take a look at your pronation if you're an overpronator and underpronator, and you know how how you're actually your foot's moving through uh, the running motion. Um, your shoes, you know, they don't lie. Uh, they're like tires on a car. You know, if they're not wearing properly. Uh, you can, you know, find an alignment issue or something else with your car. Your shoes are the same way. They're the probably the most uh, true representation you have of your of your running. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's shift gears a bit here, and I, I want to ask you a question that I've, I've asked a few other um, running experts and running coaches uh, that I've interviewed in the past, and it's basically: um, Is there any particular training method or workout that most runners simply don't do um, for whatever reason that would help them run faster? Yep, um, I would say not necessarily one particular workout, but just strength training in general um, is is really um, completely neglected from most runners' uh, regimens. And you know that's that's something that you know you, you like to run. You don't like the strength train. That strength training may not be fun for you. Uh, you know, for me, I, I enjoy it, but that's, that's not always the case. You know, I, I like to go out and run. I like to go out and bike. You know, going out and doing drills and exercises, you know, that, that's, that's, that's drills and exercises. I mean, that's, that's right, right there. Those words are, are sort of, you know, have yeah, negative, con- that negative connotation to them. So yeah. th- that I would say is, is the biggest um, the thing that's neglected. And there's, you know, there's so many benefits to doing strength training. You know, one, it's going to make you faster. Secondarily, it's going to help you prevent injuries. It's going to help develop, 
you know, other muscles that support your primary running muscles. So what happens if you go out and you're running all of the time, it's a very repetitive motion. So running injuries are caused by generally overuse and, and repetitive motion. There's, there's other causes and there can be, you know, obviously form issues, gait and, and other things that cause them. But by and large, a lot of them are, are overuse injuries. And that's because you're developing, again, muscles that, that propel your running uh, more than you are the, the supporting ones. So if you think of a house and its foundation, if you just keep building and building and building upon the foundation without reinforcing it, it's eventually going, something's going to give, it's going to collapse. The foundation is all those supporting muscles. So your abductors, your adductors, and all the other muscles in your legs, um, those being some of the ones that are commonly quite weak, they can get your, uh, your, your quads and some of your other muscles can actually get too strong and pull them out of alignment and, and cause that's what can start causing uh, some injuries and problems. So really developing not only just your, your legs, um, but your core and your upper body are all key. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of runners don't want to build their upper body. They don't want to, um, they don't want to lift weights or do anything that's going to make them bulky or stocky. Um, but that's, that's not what you need to do. You, you just really need to get some strength and, and upper body strength so that you could hold good posture so that your core can support your running, keep you in good alignment. And, you know, if you spend, and it doesn't need to be a lot of time, you don't need to be in the gym, you don't need a lot of fancy equipment. You just really need to do um, some some very sort of focused exercises and also some complex movements um, to really strengthen the entire body. Because if you strengthen the entire body, you're going to have all of the benefits of, of being able to prevent injury, but your, your running is going to improve. Um, so if you're, you're sort of stuck in a plateau, or you have a lot of you know, common recurring injuries, I mean, you need to address what's actually the root cause of those. But in a lot of cases, it's going to be something you know, that you can solve with you know, strength training um, type activities. So a couple really good exercises <clears throat> that I can share with everyone. Sure. And, and, these, and these aren't even anything all that, that special. And, and they're things that a lot of people already know. Um, so really body weight squats um, is, is a great one. So you don't, you don't need to go and you do a squat rack at the gym or be intimidated by some of those guys in there. You know, you really just want to uh, just use your own body weight. And it's, I think it's really one of the most effective general strengthening exercises because it really trains many of the primary and supporting running muscles sort of all in one simple movement. So, you know, really, you know, just go out there and, uh, you know, find a, find a resource either through me or through someone else to watch how it's done. But you know, a body weight squat is a is a really good uh, really good exercise. Um, I also think that you know doing uh, single leg deadlifts um, is another really good one. Uh, burpees. So with, with dumbbells, uh, single leg deadlift. No, with a uh, with a single leg deadlift, you, you you can add dumbbells in order to make um, to make them more difficult. Um, but you actually can do body weight um, for this one as well. So this one really is working your your glutes, uh, which helps keep your your pelvis level and steady. Um, and, and extend your hips a little bit, which helps uh, propel you forward. So it really mm -hmm. keeps, you know, sort of your torso, your, your pelvis, and, and um, your hips, everything in alignment. Um, so the way you actually do it, um, it, it's sometimes hard to explain these things uh, just just through uh, just without showing graphics or video. Well, you know what? We'll put it. We'll make sure to put a link okay. um, to a video that you've got, sure. or or, um, or a link to a, an article that you've written. Sure. Um, but yeah, but basically, you know, just real quick, since people are probably like, oh, what is it? Um, you know, you, you can stand and uh, just pretty much you stand and, you know, reach in front of you and you slightly bend one knee and you want to really hinge at the waist. And then you lift up the opposite leg up behind you and, and really engage your hamstrings and, uh, and glutes 
um, while you keep that other leg planted on the ground and then come back to a standing position. So, yeah, we can link to something um, to show that. I can definitely send you something over. Um, but it's a, yeah, that'd be great. It's a really simple uh, exercise, very, um, very, very effective. Um, and then, you know, there's there's some other, other things you can do. The, the classic, what about for upper body? What yeah, do you like? You, you know what? The classic push-up really is effective. And it seems so basic and simple, but it's really uh, just a really great exercise um, for the upper body. Another one that I think is great is the Mason Twist. Um, so, you know, doing uh, – are you familiar with what the Mason Twist is? You know what? I I probably know what it is, but I probably – I don't know it under that name. Yeah, so, so exp- explain it to me so, and everyone else. So if you're uh, familiar with uh, with P90X at all, that's that's part of the it's part of their ab routine. Okay. And uh, and and that's you know if if you want a good ab routine, I I can really recommend uh, you know some a lot of the a lot of the things that are out there. Are, you know there there's pros and cons of them, but uh but the P90X Ab Ripper X um, 15 minute series that is one of the best sort of core. Uh, routines that I've ever seen. Uh, I've got that one committed to memory, and I, I personally use it. But this this one comes from it, um, so it really works every area of the core, um, and it sort of works it all in one movement. So a lot of people will will do sit ups or do crunches, but that only works part of the core. The twist really works uh, the entire um, core. And so if the stronger your core is, that really translates to more power to your legs, being able to propel your entire body forward. Um, it also, you know, again, it's beneficial for your running form. So the way the way you sort of do this is you wanna you wanna sit on the floor and just sort of put your legs straight out uh, in front of you while you while you're sitting upright, mm-hmm. and then you wanna pull your legs in a little bit so that your knees are bent, and then raise your feet off the floor, and then all you have to do uh, is just sort of clasp your hands together and interlock your fingers and rotate from side to side using only your abdominal muscles to really control the movement. And then you know, when you go side to side, you want to touch the ground uh, with your knuckles every time you, you rotate. And the key to it is you really want to keep your hips stable uh, during the movement. You don't want to be throwing your whole body side to side. Uh, you really just want to be focusing on letting your abdominal muscles do the work. And it can take a little bit of work to, to isolate them uh, to get good at that. But eventually then you, can, you, you do strengthen that area, especially if it's weak, it could be hard to do. But as you begin to strengthen it, you, you get the feel for it. And, uh, and really, you know, work that up, you know, start off maybe 15, 20 repetitions. And as you get really good, 30, 40, you could even do up to 50 of them at a time once you get more advanced. And the nice thing about it is, is you could, uh, you could add a simple medicine ball or uh, hand weights or a brick, you know, whatever you got laying around to add some weight mm-hmm. for some more difficulty, you know, be careful if you use a brick, maybe <laughs> it's not the best <laughs> example, but you know, really works your, uh, your full core. So those are those I gotta are check, great I got to check that routine out and uh, that exercise. Yeah, that's a uh, that that's a really good one. Uh, for the rest, of the, I won't comment on the rest of his his uh, his program, but the uh, the ab the ab ripper X uh, DVD in his program uh, is is just phenomenal, and and uh, I really enjoy that one. I'll check it out. Uh, well, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I I can also attest to strength training. Um, before we started recording uh, this call, we we talked a bit about well, my previous. Um, past marathon I just did and sort of what was the difference between previous marathons and this one and feeling so much better and running faster. And I can definitely test to um, being a lot stronger. I, I paid a lot more attention to the strength work and um, it's something you don't really link it that much to your performance. But then looking back, you, you know, you, I recovered so much faster from my workouts. I felt better at the end of my workouts. I was able to do the the program, you know, my, 
my workout and running routine. So, I mean, I think without the strength training to supplement the running, I, I don't think I even get through my program. Yep. The, uh, having your body be able to be strong enough to carry out all the running in the full program, you know, is, is key. If you don't have all the strength, you don't have that solid foundation, uh, to support your running, that's where you're going to start running into injuries, uh, potentially as you ramp up the mileage or, you know, just not, you know, not, having an optimal uh, experience, really struggling through it versus, as you said, being able to recover more efficiently and, and have that, you know, the whole body sort of working together uh, as one um, rather than, you know, having parts of it that are stronger than the others and, and you know, your body fighting, uh, basically fighting itself uh, to sustain alignment and, and to, uh, to run properly because you've got areas that are more developed than others. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about specific training for the marathon. Sure. Um, any... Is there any common myths that you see, you know, time and time again um, when you, with your athletes or people commenting on your blog or questions in your podcast that, you know, common questions or myths that you see all the time that, um, you know, we can we can chat about now? Yeah, one of the, one of the biggest ones, uh, there's, there's a couple of them. Uh, one is running all of your runs, you know, too fast. Uh, one of the one of the biggest there's, there's there's actually two sort of issues with with pacing when it comes to marathon training. One is running everything at the same speed, uh, every workout, regardless of what you're doing. And the other one is running them all too fast. And actually, most runners run everything too fast. Um, and, and, and a lot of people think, you know, if you're not running fast all of the time, you're not getting benefit. You're not uh, actually um, improving as a runner, you're not being able to meet your goals. And if you're just out there doing sort of slow running that, uh, you know, you're not really, you know, making any progress. And in fact, the opposite is actually true. While you do need to do some fast running, if you want to be faster, that's certainly something you have to do. But the slower running um, at, a, at a conversational pace, uh, just to, to sort of keep it in, in simple terms, has a lot of benefit. And actually where you should be doing the majority of your training, especially if you're newer to the sport and haven't been running as long, that sort of uh, aerobic base building and not even just base building, but just aerobic development in general is really uh, is really what's most important in, in training. So, you know, a, a lot of people will say, you know, why um, run, running, you know, the short is I just sort of said the, the easier paces, you know, what good can possibly come out of that? Um, but again, as I just said, the sort of, you know, easy running, you know, as I just sort of mentioned, conversational pace uh, is, is one of the most effective things you can do. So there's a lot of things it does it, it can do for you. And, and I, I won't get into all of the, uh, you know, all the scientific, you know, sort of changes and adaptations. But, you know, when you're you're running at, at, at that conversational pace, you're first of all, you're, you're fat burning, which is good for your for your energy. You're developing aerobic capacity you are increasing your glycogen storage capabilities. So the ability to run further on, on your fueling and being able to store more carbohydrates, you're strengthening your bones, you're increasing the, uh, the capillary capacity. So your ability to transfer more blood and oxygen, um, mitochondrial development. So again, being able to have, you know, richer oxygen exchange and in, in, in your body able to, to run uh, at faster paces um, for longer periods of time, all these things actually come out of easy running. Easy running and conversational pace should really be, you know, 60, 70, even 80 percent of, of, of your of, of your training, really, really a bulk of it. And the way to determine if you're uh, running at that pace uh, versus, as I sort of mentioned earlier, running too fast 
uh, would be, can you have a conversation where you're speaking sentences? If you're gasping for breaths in between um, words, you're probably going out too fast. Um, as long as you're able to do complete sentences without, you know, struggling too much, uh, you know, you're obviously going to be breathing a little bit. It's, it's not a walk, um, but that's sort of a, a good sort of uh, test for that. And what the challenge is, is you can go out and you do that and you don't feel like you're getting a lot out of it, especially at first. But as you really begin to increase the distance of that easy running and the length of time you're doing it, it it's it's very challenging and you'll you'll feel the uh, the results of that. So, yeah, I mean, and all those positive changes are happening down at the cellular level as well. So, I mean, even though you don't necessarily see them, there's big changes happening, you know, beneath the skin, I think, um, which, you know, will pay lots of dividends down the road. Right. And the, and the other big thing, too, is uh, it, it helps your running economy. So you know, mm. the, the amount of oxygen that you need to run a given pace. So the more economical you are with oxygen, the less you need of it to to run a given pace. So if you really struggle, say, it, it right now, at, uh, you know, just make up a pace, so you're running a, a, a nine minute mile, um, it'll become easier to do it even if you don't run. Uh, that that pace all the time, you do a lot of easier running at a slower pace than that, you're actually still improving your economy and the ability of your body um, to to use oxygen. And so the more the less it the less it ends up needing to use it at a, at a given pace. So and as you begin to to train and your conversational pace uh, then begins to become faster um, because it takes less oxygen to sustain that same pace uh, over time you find yourself actually beginning to um, improve. Now, there's a limit to how far you can improve with easy running. You're not going to become a, a five-minute miler by, by just doing easy running. But especially as a beginner, you're going to have a lot of gains in your, your speed and your ability to sustain given paces, um, especially if you're newer to the sport. But even if you're, um, you know, you're, you've been running for quite a while, that, that easy running is still going to give you um, a lot of benefit. It's really the best bang for your buck in terms of of um, what you can, you know, how you're spending your time. So, mm -hmm. you know, once what about um, yeah. for those that don't run with a, a running partner and that don't want to look like a crazy person um, talking to themselves <laughs> to seeing if they can hold a conversation, um, is there a, a heart rate zone that, you know, and maybe people yep. are wearing a heart rate monitor, is there a specific heart rate zone or threshold that they'd want to keep that heart rate down at? Yep, zone, zone two. Uh, would be the equivalent of that in, in heart rate uh, training. So that's really what, where you want to be. So, you know, so where's zone two? Is that, uh, are we talking like 60% maximum or? Yeah, 60, 70% uh, max is, is sort of good. You may, maybe you do a little bit more in there, but that's that's about uh, that's about where you want to okay. be. Um, it should be something that you can pretty much sustain forever. Um, it should be challenging enough that you, you know, you're getting a workout out of it, but it's something that you can just keep going. You shouldn't get to a point where 20, 30 minutes in, you got to stop because you've, you've gone too fast. Um, so gotcha. if you're using heart rate zones, yeah, zone two, uh, is where the bulk of that, uh, training could be. And, and the specific, you know, parameters of what zone two is, is going to differ from runner to runner a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, that's a good place to be. Okay. Let's talk about shoes for a little bit here. Uh, what mistakes do you see runners making when choosing a, a running shoe? And yeah. I guess we can talk about running newbies and, and even people who've been running for a while. You know, I know for myself, I I made the stupid mistake of switching running shoes uh, partway through a marathon program a few years ago. And um, 
that was self-sabotage, basically. <laughs> so, anyways, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. So, with with shoes, I mean, they're it's 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 an essential thing. So, the, the first the first mistake I think people make is they, especially if they're new to running, is is, is as simple as it sounds, not um, not taking their shoe selection um, seriously. So, a shoe is a very personal thing to each person. So, you, you hear, you know. People talk about the type of shoe they use, or they might be doing minimalist, or they're into barefoot. You know, all all of those things, you know, might have their might have their place. But if you're really new to the sport, you know, start off getting fitted uh, for a shoe that fits your foot properly, not just your shoe size, but also the width of your foot. Um, so a lot of people don't even know that shoes can come in different widths. Um, and if you have a shoe that's that's too wide. Uh, your foot can be moving all over the place, and if it's too tight, that can cause uh, issues as well. Um, the other sort of thing to uh, consider is how you're, you're, you're pronating or how your foot is actually moving through the running motion on the ground. And really, without getting too into all the specifics of it, the best way to do it is go to a specific running uh, store. Uh, wherever you live, there should hopefully be a good one somewhere nearby. You don't want to just go to a big box store. And, and buy the recommendation of, of shoes from, from a salesman. You want you want to actually go to a store where there's runners um, that 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 do this, you know, day in day out, and you have employees there that are that are well trained in it. There's a lot of stores that will do a free analysis where they'll put you on a treadmill, or they'll even have you run out in the parking lot and they'll film you, uh, sort of as I mentioned with an app uh, earlier, and they can really make an assessment of what kind of shoe will be correct for you. Um, and, and really use that as a, a starting point. Um, if you're, you know, really wanting to make sure you're getting in the right one, maybe go to a couple stores and, and that, that offer the, the shoe fitting service and analysis of your gait and compare and see if they come up with the same recommendation. And if they do, then which in most cases they will, that's a good indication of, of what you should be doing. You know, don't pick it based on style or color. You know, right now there's a lot of running shoes that are, you know, neon colors and all kinds of, you know, crazy colors. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I personally like something a little bit more conservative. But, you know, my last one was a little bright with blues and neon greens because it was, you know, the only color they had and it fit. But, <laughs> you know, th- th- don't pick it on brand or, or color and, and make sure you get fitted properly. And once you find something that works, um, stick with it. The only sort of caveat to that is, Every year, the manufacturers change the shoe a lot. So I, I have a, a couple uh, different ones. I, I do run in the Brooks um, Adrenaline Series um, for the most part. I, I use the 2012 model. The 2013 model had a very sort of different uh, feel for it, um, and it was a shoe that didn't really work well with me. So I've been sticking with the 2012, and we'll see how the 2014 one um, comes out. But it's it's a little bit of a more of a stability shoe, um, and I do that for... Um, longer runs. Um, for shorter runs, I actually do have a, a minimalist shoe. Now, for those that are looking at doing minimalist shoes, a big mistake uh, a lot of people make is they'll get a minimalist shoe, they hear about minimalist running, all the great benefits of it, and then they'll just go out and start doing all their running in minimalist shoes. Now, what tends to happen is, the sh- is because the shoes have a lot less support, you're going to start using muscles in your legs that you didn't know you had. And if you go out and start doing lots of distance and lots of uh, long runs uh, in that you're really going to increase your injury risk. It's a really good idea to really transition uh, very slowly and carefully and really on your easy short runs, two, three miles. So, you know, 5k for, for, for those in the kilometers 
you know, some of those, those shorter, those shorter runs, that's, that's a good way to start. Uh, if you're going to use the minimalist shoe and, and gradually over time, maybe add, uh, another mile or two to it. And you know, in terms of, you know, all the days of the week you're running, maybe do the minimalist shoe only a couple times a week and, and use your, your regular running shoe, um, for all the other days. And especially for your long runs, and then just continue to progress with it, but go very, very slowly with it. There's a transition period. It could take, um, you know, for some runners that are in really good shape, you know, maybe only three, four months, but for many, six months, even up to a year sometimes is, is not uncommon uh, to make a successful transition to minimalist shoe. And in some cases, you know, minimalist, you know, may or may not be the answer for you. If you need something that offers more support, if you are, you know, prone uh, to, to some, uh, to some gait issues, you might actually be best suited in a traditional running shoe. Traditional running shoes then in and of themselves have sort of been made out to be evil over the last couple of years uh, mm-hmm. in, in the face of minimalist running and barefoot running. And, you know, and it's really individual to each runner. So start off with a regular, you know, traditional running shoe, get a good fitting and then, you know, work from there. Um, but I wouldn't really get too, you know, concerned over, you know, how you should be approaching it, but, but rather get something that works right for you and stick with it and pay attention to when the models change because you might need to change it. Um, and, and there's a lot of other factors that go into shoes in terms of, you know, the, the drop and, 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 and the padding and, and other things. We don't want to overwhelm people, but, you know, get a good fitting from somebody who, who knows what they're doing. And, uh, and, and if the shoe doesn't work for you when you're out running, don't be afraid to take it back. Most That's another good reason to get it from a running shoe store is they'll generally give you, you know, sometimes up to a 30 days. That's a lot of running. Uh, you could take the shoe back and they'll send it back to the manufacturer in most cases. So if yeah. you um, if it's not working for you, take it back. Don't be afraid to do that and get something else because it's it's, it's important um, to have the right fit. So that's yeah. uh, that's another tip is, you know, don't, don't be afraid yeah, your, of that. Your advice hits home for me. I've got um, my sort of go-to running shoes, uh, Mizuno Wave Rider, and I've been running in that for years. Um, I do experiment a little bit with other shoes. I am a bit of a shoe freak. Um, <laughs> my, 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 I, my wife's like, I think you have more shoes than I do. But anyways, I've got, um, uh, I've got a lot of pairs. Um, I, I've, I've tried everything and, um, I use the, uh, the pure flows as sort of a, uh, the, uh, a neutral shoe that I do a lot of, uh, training and, uh, interval training yeah. and things. And that's, that's a really great shoe, uh, for a lot of people. Um, I, I like it. It's, um, it's neutral. So it's, it's, uh, that, that's a, not making a recommendation of a shoe again because you need to go out and get what's fit for you. But um, yeah, you got to see what works. I found um, a lot of people but, do tend to have success with that one specifically. So yeah, maybe. But I do, I do like your advice about, you know, I, I do have shoes. If I'm going for a, a short run and I know I'm just going to do, you know, five, six, seven K, um, maybe sometimes up to 10 K, I will wear a more minimalist shoe. You know, one that I know that works for me. I wear the uh, Saucony Kinvara sometimes. That's a great um, shoe. Yeah, my, uh, my wife actually runs on that one. Yeah, I like that shoe, but again, for anything over 10k for me, I, I'm I'm not a fan of that shoe. But under 10k, I love it. It's lightweight. It gives me sort of a nice um, mid to to front foot uh, heel plant or foot plant. And I also like the Innovate shoes. Have you worn those before? No, I'm actually have not worn those. They're a UK company. I got familiar with them when uh, I lived in England, and um, they started off in trail running and, and fell running, and they call it in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of adventure uh, trail running and they do a lot of actually crossfit they become very popular in the crossfit community because they're such a low 
heel lift. A lot of uh, CrossFitters wear them. Um, but there's also, um, they've got a great line of running shoes as well. So, and they come in some crazy colors. So yeah. <laughs> check them out. An- another sort of piece with uh, shoes, since you mentioned CrossFit and, and strength training, um, you know, I don't want to necessarily get into, uh, to, to CrossFit, uh, specifically, but the, uh, you know, the strength training, if you're going to go out and you're going to do some strength training exercise and use weights, um, sometimes those minimalist shoes, not, not the ones you're running in, uh, but if it's like your prior pair, that could be, you know, a great thing to uh, to, to work out in because it really um, engages more muscles than a more supportive shoe will. Um, but the, sort of the point I want to make is, you know, keep your running shoes for running and don't use them, you know, just for walking around all day or doing weight training because that can really break them down prematurely. Um, and also your walking sort of gait and pattern is a lot different than your running uh, pattern. So that's going to um, wear down the shoes uh, in, in a different way, too. So. You know, really have a dedicated pair that's only for running and your strength training and any other activities you're doing, use use one of those older pairs because once it's worn out for running, it's not worn out for walking and, and doing other things necessarily. Exactly. Let's talk about uh, coaching. Um, you're a running coach, um, and I had some uh, great success with my running coach um, a few months ago, and um, we talked a bit about before we, we started the call about coaching and, and how it benefited me and how a lot of my friends and family, you know, they're quite surprised to hear that I had a coach. They thought coaches are only for professionals. So I had to explain to them how it worked and, you know, that my coach didn't live in the same city. And anyways, that puzzled them even more. But um, <laughs> talk, talk to me and the listeners a bit about um, how your coaching services work and, and how it works for, you know, just regular Joe Blow runner out there that's training for, a local 10K or a half marathon or a marathon? Sure. So what I'm actually uh, developing is, you know, a, a coaching service that I can I can have for a lot more people. But what I'm currently doing uh, right now, uh, one-on-one, which is mostly with, with those that I've, um, that I've been working with prior to even launching Runner Academy, and then sort of through word of mouth, uh, I've, I've got, you know, a, a plenty of runners that, uh, <laughs> that, that I'm able to, uh, to continue to work with. So that's really how I'm... Uh, I'm working with runners right now. Um, again, as I mentioned, I'm getting ready to launch a, a membership program that's really going to take all of this information that uh, that I share and, and and sort of would give over a period of time um, to runners and really put it all together in an organized, consistent, easy to follow um, package. But specifically, what I'm uh, what I'm doing when I'm when I'm working with runners is we, we start out first by you, you got to understand what your sort of motivations are. So if you're coming into running and you have a you have you want to run a marathon, let's say, well, just sort of getting at your your motivations for doing it. Are you doing it because it's a, a bucket list item, because your friends or family did it, or is it something that you're really committed to do and wanting to do? And really getting at what what it is that um, that that's bringing you to the sport if you're new to it. And if you've been doing it for a while, what what's what sort of you know your reasons for doing it? So that goes beyond setting goals, um, but really getting at what uh, you're there for why? Why you're going to show up every day? Because if you don't have that reason, it's going to be a lot harder to stay committed and be successful. And when you do understand that reason and what you're working for and why you're there, that helps you really push through um, the training, stay committed to it, and when things get tough, remind you why you're doing it. So I really always start out with that. We don't we don't go right into you know setting up you know your, your training plan. We get at those motivations first. Then we start looking at what you've done, any race history. Um, what what your sort of goals are and 
a lot of times, you know, goals, a, a lot of runners will set goals that are extremely ambitious. Um, and, and, and again, getting at, especially if you're newer and you've, you've had maybe one or two years, you could have a lot of progress uh, in, in a short period of time. And what happens, though, is as you begin to run for longer periods of time, you, you don't want to say necessarily plateau, but the, the rate of progress just by going out and showing up every day and putting in the miles um, begins to taper off. You have to then start getting specific to what your goals are, and, and we get into you know more uh, nuanced training for that. But uh, specifically, what your goals are, what your ability level is, and we start your training um, really based on that. And I start working with people. Uh, really, I, I lay it out um, two to three weeks in advance. I don't like to, to lay everything out um, for the entire season um, from day one for a couple of reasons. One, uh, especially if somebody's newer, it can be overwhelming because, you know, everyone's going to look ahead. If you ever had a, a test or, or uh, you know, or, or anything or a calendar, you're always looking ahead. What, what's, what's the worst part exactly. going to be? So I don't like to do that. I, I generally, you know, give two to three weeks. So you see what's coming. You have an idea. Um, we do talk up front about what the, uh, you know, the challenges. I'm not going to, I don't hide it. We do talk about what the more difficult weeks are going to be, but we don't focus on that. We focus on, on the present and really, you know, what, what are we doing that day, that week, and then how it, how it plays into next week. And we really build and work on it at a couple weeks uh, at a time. And that really allows also for the flexibility to not be uh, committed to the, to the, to a longer, you know, term training plan, especially if you start progressing. Um, we're able to change and adapt things based on uh, how things are going for you. So if you're, you know, if you're, you're making some good improvements um, and, and we're, you're ahead of what we, we thought you're going to be able to do, uh, well, first we make sure that that's uh, the case and, and that we're not um, pushing things too much. But we can adjust training, and it's not. And then at that point, it's not even really adjusting it. It's planning for for what your new sort of level of fitness is as we go. So. I break it out into a periodized uh, schedule. So we, we, we have a couple different, um, depending on what your goal is, uh, we might have a, a few different <clears throat> mesocycles uh, where we work on specific things. First focus on, of course, building your base. Um, and then as we you know, get closer to race day, um, spend, spend periods of time really dialing in and focusing on specific preparation for that um, event itself. Um, but again, we do it in, 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 in segments where we're able to use your current performance and your race performances you have in the in the interim and, and keep building your training based on that so that by the time you get to race day, your training has evolved with you and has brought you to the best of your ability at that point. And then sort of after your, your goal race, we could take a look back at, you know, what uh, what went well, what didn't, and, you know, where can we adjust your training um, for the next time around to address any weaknesses, any issues that came up during the race, because really, once you race, that really tells you a lot about where you are as a runner and what you need to do to to work on things. If you should, if you you know should choose, a lot of people are just happy going out and and completing these uh, and completing distances and aren't necessarily fixated on on time goals all the time. So what? Mm -hmm. So really customizing it to the individual runner. If you know a, a lot of the the stock plans and things that are available online, um, you know some are some are good. There's a lot more you know, that are good now than there, than there used to be. Um, but you know, it's, it's very, as I like to say, very general, um, training. It's very sort of, um, uh, it, it's really made for the masses. So if you want to approach your running <clears throat> from that sort of standpoint where, you know, you just want to go out and, and do something and, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a really 
you know, key component to your life, well, then maybe that gets you going for a while and, and builds your desire. And then eventually you, you do decide to, you know, want to be a little bit more committed to it. And that's really where the help of a, of a coach can, can come in. So not only do we, you know, customize training based, based for you, we also work specifically on um, your goals. We keep you motivated to provide accountability um, and really could bring a lot of, you know, fun into even fun into the process because running is fun. After all, this is this is supposed to be an enjoyable activity. Um, a lot of people, unfortunately, <laughs> that come into running have memories of their uh, gym or physical education class where running was punishment. You know, you run the mile or, or, or uh, maybe you guys were told to, to go run 1K. Uh, when, when in your class, you know, you, you're, the metric, the metric mile. mile. Yeah. <laughs> See, so, uh, so, you know, a lot of times it's punishment and sports, you know, you, you, your practice isn't going well. The coach tells you to go, you know, take the mile. So, you know, really trying to emphasize it's fun. Uh, I don't take a drill sergeant approach at all. We, we It's very supportive. And, uh, you know, the other great thing is a coach can just answer, you know, questions for you. So yeah, there's a lot of advice online. There's articles all over the place. Some, some are good. Some are very just generic and bland um, from from stock writers, um, but but the problem the problem with all of that is none of it is really tailored to your training. So if you just start reading a lot of advice and a lot of articles and, and pick and choose and bring things into your training, it's not necessarily targeted to you and what you're doing, and it may not make sense in the scope of your training. And at worst case scenario, it might be adding elements to your training that are training the same parts of your body repetitively, it could lead to injury um, in some cases. So, you know, there's a lot of good information out there, but a coach can really decipher what's, you know, what's appropriate for you to know um, and when preventing that overwhelm, that burnout with just so much information, changing your training all the time, which can lead you to, to really not, uh, you know, make good progress and stagnate. So there's just so many reasons why, uh, you know, a coach can help you. And it, it's not, it's not just for elite runners. It's for, it's for anyone. And, you know, eventually, if you have a coach for a few years and you're successful and you'll learn, you'll learn a lot, you'll you know, shorten your learning curve. You'll definitely be able to um, progress at a faster rate than somebody who is, you know, trying to figure it all out on their own. Uh, you, you'll cut out that trial and error sort of process. And eventually, you know, if, if you decide to start training on your own and you're really committed to it enough, uh, you'll have a knowledge and tools to uh, to be successful with it. So. It's uh, it's not something that you necessarily need to do forever. Um, you know, you could definitely do it for a year, do it for a race, try it out, and then you know, see see how that works out for you. And uh, in most cases, those that run with coaches um, find that it's a very positive experience. And uh, and as you said before, we even started recording, start recommending it to uh, to others. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it to anyone if you're serious about your running or you you've got a goal. It's the best money you can spend. Um, it's, it's well worth it. And, um, at the end of the process, if you reached your goal and you want to go at it without a coach, you know, go for it. But, um, I've had great success with a coach and for my next race, I don't know which race it'll be. We talked about possibly Chicago, maybe next year, but, um, I will definitely have a coach, uh, guide me through the process again. Yeah. And even now in the wintertime, I mean, even though I coach runners, even myself, I have a coach, um, you know, for, for track workouts, I, I do, uh, an indoor uh, sort of uh, track team. I don't say track team. We don't go out and have competitions, but it's a training group. And you yeah. know, I, I I don't I don't need I don't need them from the standpoint of what to do and when. But you know, I like you know having having somebody there to uh, to push me to share ideas. Um, and and that 
you know, being with other runners, the camaraderie of, of being with others, because so much training is done, uh, at least for me anyways, in isolation, and it provides an opportunity, um, you know, to, to have a structured workout that I don't have to think about as much and I, and I know is, is sound. And, you know, if I don't think it's sound, I'll challenge them on it. We have a good debate. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, ev- even those that coach and even those that are, you know, that are really, you know, at the elite levels of sport, you know, every, everyone can benefit from having somebody else take an outside look at their running. You know, if I just completely did everything myself and didn't get any outside opinion myself, I'm I'm going to have some inherent you know biases and in how I approach my training and and might not um, identify things that you know somebody with an outside perspective might do. So it's um it's something that I even I do for myself and and find value uh, even though I go out and, and coach uh, my own runners. Yeah, that's great. Listen, Matt. Well, uh, in respect for your time, we've covered a lot of stuff, and um, I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. But, um, anyways, we really appreciate you coming on to the show. And um, can you let us know where we can find out a bit more about you online and uh, find your great podcast? Yep. So you can find everything over at RunnerAcademy.com, and uh, there we've got uh, links to uh, all the podcast episodes. And I even have a podcast app. It's completely free. You could download it for uh, Android, uh, iOS, or Windows Phone. We're, we're even there on, on the Windows phones. Unfortunately, we don't have one for BlackBerry. <laughs> I know the Canadians love their Blackberries. Um, uh, you know what? I'm done with BlackBerry. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> You've given up. That's the one thing when I go to Canada is I notice everyone's got, got Blackberries. But uh, we're not... We are on BlackBerry uh, uh, Marketplace or whatever it's called. Uh, you know, any podcast app as well or iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, you could find it in there to search for Runner Academy. And, uh, you know, you could find the show there. We've got a lot of great uh, elite runners, authors, coaches, everyday runners, lots of inspiration, uh, lots of great information um, that we, we freely share through that um, as well. And I enjoy interacting with people. Um, you can link, find it all off our website on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, you can find me at Runner Academy on, uh, on both those platforms. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Matt. And I'll be sure to link up all the... Um the apps and other sort of resources we talked about in the podcast uh, in the show notes. That's great. Uh, Thanks so much for inviting me and uh, for everything you're doing here. All right. Take care. Thanks, Matt.